Welcome to Greenfish Blue Oceans, the podcast where stories about seafood are good for you in the oceans. I'm Maureen Barry. Hey guys, what's up? This week, I'm tackling M is for mussels and mangroves. Hey, welcome to M is for mussels part of the program. You know, mussels aquaculture has been around for centuries, and it's a lucrative growing business one that will help feed the growing global population. If we can keep the ocean temperatures from rising, that is. Mussels are one of those seafood species that you either love or you don't. Particularly if you live in the U.S. We don't share the same affinity to mussels as the rest of the world, specifically in Europe. Now, there are a variety of edible mussel species, fresh and saltwater, farmed and wild. Although there are two species, the blue and the green lip, that do the heavy lifting in the food world. But first, a little about what a mussel is. A mussel is a bivalve, and therefore super sustainable, because like any bivalve, they are filter feeders. They make the water cleaner than it was before. Mussels are high in protein, low in fat, and have numerous minerals, making them a superfood. You can bake, steam, fry, smoke, and marinate mussels in oil. They cook quickly, so there's no guesswork. When the shell opens, the meat is ready to eat. Mussel meat has a very distinct flavor profile, part ocean, part mushroomy. And whether you poach mussels in liquid like a red sauce, coconut milk, or lemon wine and leeks, the flavor of the meat shines through. It's that distinct. When mussels are cooked properly, they'll have a slightly chewy, soft, pillowy texture. Oh, so amazing. Oh my God. And great news, seafood lovers. You can buy mussels year round, either fresh or frozen. So here's a few buying tips. If you buy fresh, ask to read the tag because mussels have a harvest date. And your best bet is to buy mussels five days from harvest. But depending on the time of year and where you live, that's going to vary. Now, winter is the best time of year to buy fresh mussels because mussels thrive in cold water. That's their season. Now, as far as the tag goes, you can also just know this. You can buy mussels up to 10 days after the harvest date and still feel good about it. The mussels should be tightly closed. So, for instance, if you see a bag of mussels with gaping shells, you'll want to pass and either head to the freezer aisle or buy another seafood species for that day. Now, if you shop in the freezer aisle, you'll find mussels in one or two pound packages normally. They're going to be vacuum sealed, so you're going to want to make sure there are no gaps in the vacuum. And many of those pouches can be placed directly in the in a pot of boiling water, which is super easy and super cool, right? Straight from the freezer into the boiling pot, you are good to go. 
Some muscle companies are producing convenient, ready-to-cook meals. So again, you just drop the pouch in the boiling water, snip open the top at the designated time, and pour the contents into the bowl. Instant food. Just add warm, crusty bread for dipping. Now, if you buy the mussels without all the bells and whistles, you can prepare the mussels according to the package direction and empty the contents into the bowl, squeeze half a lemon over the top, kiss the mussels with kosher salt and a splash or like a dash of sherry vinegar, toss and slurp away. Man, those things are so good. I'm getting hungry. Hey, I left a link in the show notes for two recipes if you're interested. One is mussels with leeks and chives and another is Thai style mussels. So there's a little bit of heat and spice to that. You're going to need a big bunch of fresh basil and it's summertime. So head to the freezer aisle, snip some basil and go for it. Now remember when you're shopping to bring a cooler bag and a bag of ice or ask for a little bag of ice for transport. I also left a link in there for storage. There's like a Muscles 101 that I put on the blog I think is really very useful. You don't want your muscles to be submerged in water. So you'll want a colander sitting inside a bowl and then you could just put some ice over top of it, letting that water like drain down through. Mussels are usually clean. However, if you do see some like little scruffy, like looks like a beard, that's what it's actually called on a mussel, you're going to want to scrub that off the shell before you cook it. That beard is how the mussel attaches itself to like a rope or a rock or however it is grown. And now coming up soon on my YouTube, Real Food Right Now, I will have a few recipe videos. So when you get a chance, head over to YouTube or the next time you're surfing on YouTube, check out my site, Maureen Seabury, and subscribe so that you don't miss a video. And uh, thanks for that. So what else? That's it. Isn't that quick and easy for mussels? Wow, I'm ready to go eat some mussels. I don't know about you all. Um, So let's take a little quick break. And stick around for the next part of the program. M is for mangroves. Super exciting stuff, guys. Stick around. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the M is for mangroves part of the program. Several years ago, all right, I think it was like, had to be like 2010, I mentioned to Kendra Lott, who's the editor of Edible Orlando Magazine, that I was interested in writing a book about shrimp. So the next time I saw her at the farmer's market, she handed me a copy of a book titled Let Them Eat Shrimp, The Tragic Disappearance of the Rainforest of the Sea by Kennedy Warren. Now, who would have known all these years ago that here I am in the middle of Western Kentucky writing about seafood and podcasting about shrimp and mangroves? But anyway, here we are. So I'm writing that shrimp book now, but more about that in S is for shrimp episode later in the year. Now, up until the point that Kendra gave me that book, I never made the association between shrimp and mangroves. I mean... Not really like what I'm going to talk about now. Like, sure, I knew 
like shrimp and mangroves and all of the ocean things kind of go together, but bear with me here. Mangroves for me were trees with gnarly limbed roots that thrived in the warm, brackish tropical waters, like an ancient majestic creature that lined the canals and coastlines of Florida and the islands in the Bahamas and the Caribbean. Mangroves grow these intricate underwater root systems. These estuaries are nursery habitats for juvenile fish, home to fiddler crabs, shrimp, and lobsters. The roots provide shelter to many marine species and organisms. And then above the water, in the thick canopy of the succulent, salt-crusted leaves and twisted branches of the mangrove, great blue herons, cormorants, and snowy white egrets live and roost. Mangroves are brilliant adapters with a reproductive system that rivals no other. Get this, mangrove seed pods germinate on its leaves, then, when ready, drop into the water. And whether it's low tide or high tide, the seed, once it enters the water, will establish itself in the thick mud or travel the ocean's currents until it finds land. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Mangroves act as a protective barrier to coastlines. They bear the brunt of fierce tropical storms, hurricanes, and cyclones, making them a first line of defense for the world's coastal populations. Mangrove forests are complex ecosystems. Mangroves are simply amazing. Now, there are over 80 species of mangroves living along the world's tropical coastlines. These magnificent, wonderful trees live in water 100 times saltier than any other plant. In fact, mangroves don't just survive in this torturous, warm, salty water. They thrive. The largest living mangrove forest in the world is the Sunderbans. This immense forest, 3,900 square miles, borders southern Bangladesh and on the Bay of Bengal in India. This spectacular forest is recognized for its rich biodiversity, including over 260 bird species, the Bengal tiger, and other exotic threatened species. It's also considered one of the world's important ancient heritage and historical sites dating back 200 to 300 AD. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Center and one of the natural wonders of the world. Okay, fair warning here, friends. That was the warm and fuzzy part of the program. Sadly, mangrove forest loss is rampant around the globe, with as much as 60 to 84% already destroyed in some areas. With only about 1% of legal land protection for these incredibly diverse forests, they barely stand a chance. In the Sunderbans, protected areas cover only 15% of the mangroves. What's the primary destructive force behind these incredible shrinking forests? Wait for it. Shrimp farming. That's right. Our insatiable desire for shrimp is destroying some of our planet's most prized ecosystems. Although shrimp aquaculture is not the only culprit, 
Other forces at work to alter the landscape include tourism, agriculture, coastal development, catastrophic and extreme cyclones, and of course, climate change, rising seas, and pressure on freshwater resources. For instance, while mangroves love salt, they need freshwater to balance for growth and health. Now, over the course of time, these man-made and natural changes are creating a loss of resources. Flora, fauna, wildlife, homes, communities, and yes, people. Remember, mangrove trees act as a protection layer, insulating millions of coastal residents and wildlife. In addition, mangroves are a major player in the global carbon balance. Their root systems filter fresh water before it gets back out to sea, and they store carbon in their roots. So, back to that book I mentioned earlier, Let Them Eat Shrimp. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, some of the most dangerous and destructive things happening to the Sunderbans is deforestation, industrial sewage, and runoff from power plants, agriculture, overfishing, and threats from oil spills offshore. As a result, the conservation status of the Sunderbans mangroves is critical and endangered. And the challenges facing mangroves doesn't start and stop in the Sunderbans. The problem stretches around the globe. In Brazil, across Central and Latin America, Australia, the United States, along the Red Sea and the Arabian Gulf, Tanzania, Panama. So what's being done today to protect mangrove forests? Well, there are some exciting opportunities. Ecotourism, for one, is a healthy opportunity for coastal communities. It brings jobs to local people who otherwise have lost their livelihood because of mangrove deforestation. And small-scale replanting efforts are occurring around the globe. So that's great news. Now, what can you do and what is your role? You could plant a tree. The loss of mangroves around the world means less carbon is being trapped. And since trees capture carbon in their wood, plant a tree to help offset carbon emission. Any tree will do. If you live near a tropical waterway, organize a mangrove seed planting competition. How cool would that be? Here's another thing. Think twice before you eat shrimp, says the woman writing a book about shrimp. But just think about this. Like, where does your shrimp come from? And who is harvesting it? Not all shrimp is farmed or harvested equally. We pay a great deal of attention to where our other protein sources come from, so why not shrimp and fish? To help you wade through your choices, I included several seafood recommendation guides in the show notes. These are trusted resources, my friends, like Seafood Watch, Environmental Defense Fund, Fish Choice, and Marine Stewardship Council. You don't have to look at all of them. Pick one. Then decide what to buy for your family before you go to the grocery. Here's another thing. 
Do you really need another all-you-can-eat seafood buffet in your life? Now, if you're a chef, choose another seafood species instead of shrimp. Or better, take shrimp off the menu if you're using shrimp that comes from an unsustainable resource. We cannot continue to be surprised when entire coastal communities are torn apart by a storm or because of lack of biodiversity, because nature's wall is gone. There's much more fascinating information to know about mangroves. So I left some great links in the show notes. Dig in and discover how mangrove and wetland restoration can help stabilize the air we breathe, create jobs for coastal communities, and preserve our beautiful blue planet. This is not a task for the faint-hearted. There are numerous challenges involved with mangrove restoration. But know this, mangroves matter, my friends. That's it for today's episode of Greenfish Blue Oceans. Thanks for listening. And next up, N is for Nori and nutrient pollution. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And hey, feel free to email me or hit me up on social media with your comments and questions. I'd love to hear from you. So thanks again and have a great two weeks.